Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 452. I am Tom Maluli, and today we want to talk about annuities, the 60-40 portfolios, and the 4% rule. So we want to cover three different topics, annuities, 60-40 portfolios, and I'll explain what that is, and the 4% rule. But before I do that, I want to share with you a story that I read recently. This goes back almost 100 years to a company called Standard Drugstores of Ohio and another company called the Boast Toothpaste Company. The Boast Toothpaste Company was trying to figure a way to sell more of their product. The president of the company was a Charles Lesser. So he would try all these different marketing ad campaigns that ran with things that said, we have a special sale on toothpaste today didn't work. He tried nine out of 10 dentists recommend this toothpaste. That also didn't work. Then he tried, this cleans so well that your teeth stay clean and your breath stays fresh all day. That also didn't work. But he tried something else. What he did was he went into the drugstores, standard drugstores. He placed his toothpaste on the tobacco counter in these drugstores. And after someone would buy some tobacco, now remember, this is 1920s going into the 1930s, <clears throat> the clerk would then ask, have you ever used the smoker's toothpaste? Ding! It was pretty natural for a customer to say, hey, I, I never heard of it. What are you talking about? I'm not familiar with that. The clerk would hold up this Boast toothpaste Long story short, standard drugstores sold a three-month supply of this toothpaste in about one week. So the power of the right words spoken at the right time can really make a difference. This has been one of the things that I have always believed when it comes to annuities. There's an old saying in our industry that annuities are not bought, annuities are sold. People in our line of work are very good at selling annuities. In fact, last year in 2022, we had a record $312 billion in total U.S. annuity sales. You know, when we talk about annuities, there are different types of annuities. You can't just throw a blanket over all annuities and say all annuities are bad. They're not. Some of them are very, very good. But I want to break down, there are four different areas of annuities that you should be familiar with. I'm going to walk through them very quickly here. The first type of annuity is called an immediate annuity. And that is essentially where you deposit money with an insurance company and the insurance company immediately starts sending you a monthly check for a fixed period of time or for the rest of your life. That is called an immediate annuity and you lose control of that asset. So you could send $100,000 to XYZ insurance company. You no longer have that asset. What you have instead is a promise to receive a monthly check from the insurance company. That's an immediate annuity. We have no problem with investors putting some money into immediate annuities because it helps them plan for the future because they're going to know precisely what they're going to be getting every month like clockwork. The second type of annuities 
are called deferred annuities. These are often sold as investment alternatives to mutual funds, stocks, and bonds. We have some issues with how these things are sold. With deferred annuities, there are two different types of deferred annuities. So we're digging in a little, a little deeper with these. There are fixed deferred annuities, which means you're going to get a fixed percentage rate on this money. It's kind of like a CD. I'll explain the semantics of that in a moment. And then there are variable annuities, deferred annuities that are variable deferred annuities with fixed deferred annuities. Oftentimes they're marketed this in this way, or they at least they used to be marketed this way. I, I say this from experience because for the first 16 years of my career, which is now almost 40 years, the first 16 years I was a stockbroker and licensed to sell insurance products, including annuities. And so I speak from experience knowing how these products are not only designed, but also how they are sold. So with a fixed deferred annuity, uh, they were often marketed as an alternative to a CD. And the pitch would go something like this. Hey, you have money in CDs, right? Why? Well, because they're safe and because I get a guaranteed rate of interest or a fixed rate of interest for a certain period of time. The next question in the discussion would be something along the lines of, hey, when that CD comes due, when it matures, do you take the interest out? Most people would not take the interest out. They would just let it accumulate and it would continue to defer. And then the next line of questions would be, but wait, this is a taxable investment. So you're paying tax on money that you're not even spending. You're not even putting it in your pocket. Do you realize that? So if you were earning, say, this goes back 30 years, if you were earning 6% on a CD after taxes, you might really only be using four or earning four and you weren't taking the money and putting it in your pocket or spending it or doing something else with the money. It was just continuing to compound. The pitch would then continue along the same lines as, why don't you just continue to do this and cut out the tax man? The concept behind this was to put the money into a deferred annuity with a fixed rate of interest. You were not taking the money out with a CD. Annuity would work the same way. You would not get the money. You would not get that, that earnings that you had. And the difference was you would not get a 1099. And so you wouldn't have to report and pay taxes on this money currently. The problem is that all of this money continues to grow in a deferred vehicle, at some point when you do take that money out, it will all come out, the earnings will all come out as ordinary income. You're not even taxed at a capital gain. It's all ordinary income as if you earned it in a salary. There are some drawbacks to deferred annuities. And for the better part of the last 20 years, uh, this was not a competitive place to put money to work because interest rates were so low. You just couldn't earn any money. Then we talk about deferred variable annuities, and these are marketed as alternatives to putting money into the stock, into individual stocks or into mutual funds and growth vehicles. We are not crazy about these investment alternatives because we have found more than anything else 
they're a very expensive way to invest your money. There are cheaper ways that you can accomplish the very same thing. Yes, earnings continue to defer into the future, so you don't have to worry about paying current taxes on your earnings. But along the same lines, you're going to have a future event where this money will be coming out of the annuity and it will be taxed as ordinary income. Even though it was uh, compounded at variable rates over hopefully a long period of time, you don't enjoy the benefit of capital gains tax rates. You have to pay ordinary income on these. These are points that usually get glossed over or sometimes not even mentioned at all in the product presentation. These are some of the problems that we have. The way these products are marketed. As I mentioned a few moments ago, we don't have a problem with clients owning these investment vehicles, but most of the time they were not given all of the information. So they didn't go into these transactions with eyes wide. Uh, and it's a little frightening to see that over 300 billion of these uh, of your dollars went into these annuities last year alone. That's a 23% increase from the year before. People get worried about the volatility in the stock market. They get worried about all kinds of things, inflation, the future of social security. They worry about a lot of things. These annuities offer the promise of some type of security uh, behind it. Uh, we don't always agree with, with that. And I think our biggest issue is how these products get marketed. But I wanted to talk about annuities and I wanted to talk about 60-40 portfolios and I wanted to talk about the 4% rule. There was an article in Think Advisor, that's an industry uh, website, I'll link to this in the show notes. And the headline is retirement investors are losing faith in 60-40 portfolios and the 4% rule. In order to talk about this, I wanted to walk you through the different types of annuities because really after reading this, I felt like this entire article was a, a, a written marketing script for annuity salespeople. They are trying to trash the 60-40 portfolio. Now, what is that? 60-40 portfolio is, that's how you measure how much money goes into stocks and how much money goes into bonds or how much money is allocated for growth and how much is allocated for income. So the, the premise behind this is 60% of your dollars would be invested in long-term growth investments, 40% would be invested for current income, and uh, the idea is that you would have a balance between growth and income. Going back 30 and 40 years, was, this was marketed as kind of an all-weather portfolio. There were a couple of reasons for that. The most important one is that when the premise of the 60-40 portfolio came out in the mid-1980s, interest rates on fixed income investments were significantly higher than they have been in previous years. And so you could earn four, five, six percent on the fixed income, the bond side of a 60-40 portfolio, and you could let the stock side run. That really has not changed all that much. 60-40 uh, for really the better part of 40 years has worked pretty well. 
uh, for clients. The only time that I can think of uh, where it clearly did not work in the last 40 years was last year, 2022. It does not mean that it can't work in the future. It could work, it may not work, but it's certainly worth exploring uh, having money in some type of balanced portfolio where you've got 60% of your money set aside for long-term growth, 40% for income. More than a third of respondents to this survey felt that the 60-40 portfolio is no longer viable and that the 4% rule is also something that's no longer viable. So what's the 4% rule? We've talked about annuities. We've talked about the 60-40 portfolio. What is the 4% rule? In the same period of time, in the mid-1980s, there was this theory that our industry came up with called the 4% rule. So let's talk about what the 4% rule was initially designed to be. Suppose in 1985, you retire with a investment portfolio of a million dollars. Using a 4% rule, on the day of your retirement, you have a million dollars. You can safely withdraw. The 4% rule says you can safely withdraw 4%, or in this case, $40,000 per year without outliving your assets. 4% rule worked great, especially in the 80s and into the early 90s, because as I mentioned with the 60-40 portfolio, a lot of individual investors saw nice gains in the stock market, but more importantly, they were earning four, five, six, sometimes seven or eight percent on their fixed income portfolios. Withdrawing four percent a year looked like a really safe way to go. Move into the last 20 years and we've seen interest rates below four percent. We've taken a much more cautious approach. We want, we would prefer to see clients drawing down something at 3% or less, maybe something 2%, because then we know that this is going to be sustainable for very long periods of time, 30 years, maybe even 40 years of retirement. So the 4% rule is a good idea. It's a good concept. It's a good way to get investors thinking about how much money they can safely pull from their investments when they're in retirement but it's not something that's uh we it's not something that we advocate as a yardstick only because we don't know we can't predict accurately in the future what where interest rates are going to be what returns we're going to see from the stock market. Again, I'll link to this article in the show notes so you can read it for yourself, but it's just uh, dripping with lines like a growing number of American feel uh, Americans feel such rules of thumb should be replaced with other retirement income approaches, including those that incorporate various types of income guarantees. So sure, the market gets volatile from time to time and people say I don't I can't stand the volatility I want something that's going to be guaranteed that's a that's a problem uh, there's even a quote in there that protected income is there to, to provide peace of mind and it works as a paycheck in retirement we've seen this phrase in our industry used many times as a pitch a hook for an annuity sale the article also goes on to 
state that this survey that they ran found that investors on average want 80% of their retirement savings to be invested in safer investments. It really comes down to what your definition of safe is. Do you feel safe investing in the S&P 500? Well, some people do, some people don't. I heard an interesting stat the other day that I'll share with you. In the decade, I'm sorry, in the century of the 20th century from January 1st, 1900 through December 31st, 1999, the Dow Jones Industrial Average grew from 66 in the year 1900 to 11,400. Sounds great. What was the compound annual return? Just doing the math. How do you grow 66 to 11,400? over the span of 100 years. Well, the return is 5.3%. That's just the nominal growth in the Dow Jones from 66 to 11,400. That does not include dividends. The numbers are actually much better than that. The problem is we can't predict from year to year exactly what we're going to earn. The pitch, so to speak, with an annuity is you know exactly what your rate of return is going to be with a fixed annuity, with a deferred annuity, you may not know what your returns will be this year, but you don't have to worry about paying taxes on the gains. There's, uh, and you're putting money away for the future that you can enjoy in retirement. We, we understand the, the benefits, but a lot of times people hear only the benefits and they don't hear any of the drawbacks. I think it's important that investors know all of the pros and cons before they get involved in any kind of investment. Having sold these investment products for 16 years as a broker through the 80s, 90s, up through 2002, I've seen a lot of negative outcomes, unhappy investors who weren't told all of the details that some of them are material details that they need to know before they enter into a, a contract with an insurance company. I will also say that over the last 21 years, we have seen a lot of folks come into our office here at Maluli Asset Management with annuity contracts. And we have had to explain to them what the details are with these. And we've seen a lot of regret uh, at the conference table when people discover that they have a very large surrender charge that they weren't told about, or they have limited investment options that they weren't told about, or that they're going to be facing an enormous tax bill if they decide to dismantle this annuity contract, which they weren't told about. It's a problem. We wanna make sure that folks know all of the ins and outs that they should be aware of before they enter into these contracts. If you've got questions about potential investment like an annuity, get in touch with us. That's gonna wrap up our message for episode 452. Thanks again, as always, for tuning in. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.